You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. So it is really good to be here. I always really appreciate the honour of coming to share. And, uh, you know, I love the work that's happening. Steve and Annette are doing a great job, but I know they'd be very quick to acknowledge there's a whole team of people. And that's one thing I love about the work here is that so many people are involved. You know, I love the picture of a church as a body, um, you know, where... Every person, you know, has a part to play. From, we always say from the youngest to the oldest, you know, uh, you have a ministry, you have a part to play and you're valued in the church family. And so um, the body really speaks of every individual, um, you know, being valued and having a part to play. And I think that is outworked very well um, here in Coolerman. So good on you uh, for being involved and, you know, uh, contributing and allowing things to happen in this, uh, in this town and in this area. And we, we really appreciate the relationship uh, with, with our church at Narandra as well. Um, and so we always boast about what you're doing here. So um, it's, uh, it's really, um, really good anyway to see what God is doing. And, uh, and very much uh, anticipate uh, what God is going to do into the, in the future with some, um, uh, as, in, as time goes by. Anyway, so look, I want to just turn into, I think you've been doing a study on Hebrews. Is that right? Um, now, what, t- what, what book have you been doing? Hey? Oh, Exodus. Oh, there you go. So I was. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, right. There was. That's right. They're right. That's right. So, anyway, that's nothing to do with what I was going to preach today. I'm just going to share a verse from Hebrews 1. But I, I uh, don't know why I thought Hebrews. But anyway, Exodus, yes. And I've, I've heard that um, there's been some great, great messages shared. So, that's excellent. Hopefully, I can share a little bit reasonably with you today. And I want to talk about faith and. It's always like difficult when you feel like the Lord's putting it on your heart to preach about faith and share about faith. It sort of almost seems like an exhausted subject, you know. Oh, what more can you say about faith? Everybody goes, oh, another sermon about faith. You know, that's what you kind of dread as a, as a preacher. But um, I, I guess I just want to bring out a couple of really specific aspects. And particularly, um, uh, I want to get to a, a short passage in Romans that talks about uh, Abraham's faith and one particular aspect of Abraham's faith. But we'll start in a really predictable place, and that's Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is possibly the most you know, well-known uh, and familiar, maybe not with everyone, I shouldn't assume that, but uh, it is one of the most uh, well-known and fairly familiar scriptures about faith. And so it just says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now again, you can look up lots of translations and get different uh, ways that that's expressed. But really it's talking about not just relying upon um, what you can see physically, what you can understand physically, what you can um, calculate and uh, explain rationally. It's stepping beyond that. It's stepping above that. So it's saying faith is the ability to be able to, to look beyond what you can control, what you can understand, what you can explain. Do you know what I'm saying? And we need that, don't we? Like, I think that's, that's one of the greatest things we need. I'll, I'll get sidetracked for a moment and just say that, you know, in our world what we see is we see people searching, uh, really searching. We, we sometimes ourselves, you know, we find ourselves searching, but hopefully in some ways, you know, we've, we've uh, you know, in coming to Christ and opening our heart to receive Christ, if you've done that, if you haven't, today you can do that. It's a great opportunity for you just to open your heart and say, Lord Jesus... I, I, I respect you, I know you, I love you, but I actually want to open up my heart to you. I want you to come into my life. I thank you that you 
you know, we've just come from me, so thank you that you died for me, that you rose again for me, and I can experience your life, and so I open my heart to receive you. If you've never done that, then today, that's something that you can, you can do. You can just do it where you are as I'm talking, but make sure you keep listening as well, but you, know, you can just do it through at any time. And, uh, and it's always good then, the Bible sort of says that you believe in your heart and then you confess with your mouth. It's always good then to have a conversation with somebody who you trust and know, who can encourage you in that journey, because when you speak it out, something happens, doesn't it? You, know, you make the decision, you make the choice, it's something that's got to be real in your own heart, but then after that, you speak it out to someone else and it's like once you've spoken it, it's like that creates something, it releases something. It also enables someone who cares about you and loves you and maybe has been on the journey for a while to be able to encourage you and, and steer you, you know, along in your journey. So if that's you today, then may I give that, that really um, sincere invitation for you to step into that place and become a part of God's family. But, you know, we we're talking about... Um, in fact, I don't know what we're talking about now, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about faith. And this, this verse, this famous verse about faith, is really saying we, 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 we come to a place where we're looking for something beyond ourselves. That's what I was talking about, searching, wasn't I, and seeking. And, you know, the people, have, people are born and understand, and, or people, maybe they don't understand, but people are born with um, a real sense, a, a desire to search for something bigger than themselves. They're born with, each one of us are born with an awareness of a need for some, something, someone, ultimately. But some people don't know if it's something or someone. We know it's someone bigger than ourselves. We're, we're looking to, um, to connect with you know, someone bigger than ourselves. And that's a search that we're on. And sometimes people, they say, well, I don't want to believe in Jesus. And so they'll look all, all sorts of places to try and satisfy this thing that's built into every one of us. To, to want to um, connect with something greater than us. I mean, it doesn't take us to thinking very long about, um, you know, this is not a put-down in any way because we, we, it doesn't take us long to think about our inadequacy as a human person. You know, I, I think I get amazed at what our, um, what our science world and, you know, explorers and all sorts of people, you know, as they're exploring and investigating and getting new knowledge... I mean, I get amazed at some of the things that they know and some of the things that they can do. It absolutely blows my mind. But, you know, it's so small, isn't it, compared to the whole big picture, that so many things, you know, happen that are just way outside our, of our control. It's so foolish and so futile to think that we can control things or know things enough to be able to, you know, um, to master life, as it were. Do, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Because we're way out of our depth, aren't we? Really, there's, you know, we can think we know a lot and then suddenly something happens and we think, you know what, that was way outside what I could ever control or understand fully. And so there's this part of us that needs a dimension of our life that is bigger than us. We need to have a, an ability to, to have a, a part of our life that accepts, acknowledges and connects with someone bigger than ourselves. And when we understand and enter a relationship with with God himself, then we know that, that he is much bigger than us. And that is a good job. That's a good thing because we have then access to someone bigger than ourselves. Now, this is a bit of a corny picture, but I think it's one that we can all understand and I think it's pretty realistic that, you know, when, when um, a small child, I've got an accumulating number of grandchildren. Uh, I've got seven. I've got two more on the way, if you didn't know. But so the numbers is accelerating very quickly. But, um, you know, when I've got one of the little children with me 
and I'm walking along somewhere dangerous or, you know, whatever, which can be just down the street or across the street or whatever. But when they're walking with me, you know, I can tell they just feel, they feel stronger, you know, they feel braver. Now, sometimes they want to go and do things on their own. I know that. Parents understand. They'll, they'll go off and do all sorts of dangerous things on their own. But, but you know what I'm talking about, that when they're walking with me, they feel like you know, they, can, they can get taller because I, they know I can pick them up if they need to be picked up. They, they feel stronger because they know that even if we're walking a long way, you know, I'm going to help them to get to the destination to where we're going. Is, is this all right as an analogy? So you know, they're bigger because they're with someone who they've learnt to trust and they've learnt to know is bigger than them. And, and you know, even though they know um, my you know, fallibility, they know that there are things that I can't do, etc., they, they learn that pretty quickly. As they get older, you know, maybe into their teens, they think there's lots of things that we can't do that they can do or whatever, the tide turns a little bit. Am I talking to the right parents of teenagers here? But anyway, so, but you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. That when you're with someone bigger, then your limiting factor or your limitation increases. And so when we get this sense of living life um, in relationship with God and we understand that God is, is bigger than us and we get to know uh, what he's capable of, but also his intention for us, you know, that is faith at work. Now let me divert for a sec to Genesis chapter 3. We'll come back to... Hebrews 11, um, in a minute, but in fact, what I'll do is I'll quickly mention a verse in Hebrews 11, then we won't have to come back to it, all right? So Hebrews 11, verse 6, if you were to jump down to there um, before we go to um, Genesis, but Hebrews uh, 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, Contained in that verse it, um, is uh, begins to to um, it begins to explore the idea of what God's intention is. All right, let me read it again. It explores not only what God is able to do, but it explores you know God's intention. Because what's the point of God being big and powerful and stronger than us if His intention is not trusted, trustworthy? Do you know what I mean? In fact. This just gives me an opportunity to talk a bit about fear. You know how we talk about fear of God? Some people understandably find that confusing. Well, you know, um, fear is a negative thing, isn't it? And so then they, they talk about fear as a negative thing, but then, um, then they think, well, we're supposed to have fear of God. How does that fit? So, so I understand it this way, that, that actually fear talks about um, the idea of understanding the bigness of something. So if there's something that is big, something that is powerful, something that is way bigger than us, way stronger than us, well then, if we think its intention is to harm us, so we're not in America, but I kind of think the bear comes to mind right now, so uh, I don't know why, it's just a bear comes to mind. We could pick anything, I could pick a snake, because I see plenty of them at my parents' farm, but I'm just thinking of a bear. If a big bear turns up suddenly in front of you, well, then you look at it and you say, well, you know what? It's bigger than me. You mightn't quite go through it this rationally, but this is bigger than me. This is stronger than me. And I think it wants to eat me. So you're, you're looking at its intention. And so therefore, the fear seeing it as a big thing makes you want to run. Because it's not to do with how big it is. It's to do with what its intention is. Do you get what I'm saying? So then you can look at something big. So um, again, uh, hopefully this, this illustration makes sense. But say you go to somewhere like Niagara Falls or like a huge mountain. You go to the top of a huge mountain, something big. But yet it's big, but you're attracted to it. 
you know, because you, you want to go and you want to have a look. You want to explore. You want to get close to it. You're curious about seeing what it's like because it's big, but it's not going to have negative intentions towards you. Do you know what I mean? Now, again, if you go to the edge of the cliff and you get too close and there's loose rocks there, well, then again, it's a different kind of fear, isn't it? You withdraw from that. You move back from it because it's big, it's high. It becomes threatening to us. And so what I think about God is the fear of God is to understand how big God is, to understand his bigness and to understand his power, but actually to be drawn to him because when we understand his intentions, do you get what I'm saying? He's not a threat to us. So it's not a fear that makes us run. It's actually a fear that draws us. It's a fear that attracts us. So the fear of God, when the Bible talks about the fear of God, is actually referring to getting to know the bigness of God, the strength of God, the power of God, but also the intentions of God so that you know, we're, we, we, we know that we can actually safely draw alongside him. We can actually safely be in his presence. In fact, we, we, we're curious. We want to get to know him more. We want to draw closer to him to understand him. Does that make sense? And so in that way, fear, seeing something's big, but then understanding the intention is either a negative fear or a positive fear. We use the word awe too, don't we? We say, oh, I'm in awe of something. You know, awesome is a word that's thrown around quite a lot. But something is, is awesome. But I'm in awe of God because I see how big he is, but I actually understand his intention towards me. So I want to go back to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3. And just the first few verses I'll, I'll just read um, to you and then we'll talk about it. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Um, it goes on to say that the woman saw the food was good and, and partook of it, etc. And so this dialogue between uh, Eve and between the serpent is an interesting one. Right from the beginning of time, right from the beginning of the interaction between people and and Satan, you know, and the serpent, was, was, uh, was his attempt, was his strategy being revealed? And I think it's good to understand because his strategy is still very similar uh, today. And so it's good to recognise it. Sorry to keep shifting that. Um, so um, so what, what the serpent said, first of all, is did God really say this? And so he was challenging the truth of what God said. And that's a, a constant challenge between truth and, and lies, isn't it? Um, the enemy wants to whisper lies to us to, to bring us down, but we have the access to truth by which as we get it in our heart, we can counter lies and we can stand strong you know, in our journey in God. So, so here the enemy is right from the beginning of time challenging the truth and the validity of God's word. Starts the question, you know, did God really say? Well, you know, to Eve's credit, um, she actually went, said back to him, no, that's not what God said. This is what God said. And she gave a true account of what God actually said. So the enemy took a second, uh, had a second strategy, if you like, a second approach. So he was challenging God's word. You know, did God really say that? Did you understand it correctly? 
you know? And so he starts to doubt what God said. When we think of faith, a lot of it is really based upon what God has said, isn't it? Did God really say that? Is that God's word? What did God promise? You know, the, the precious promises of God are something that, as we put faith in them, they impact and affect our life so well. And so um, the first question was, was God's word? Is it, is it real? Is it, can it be trusted, etc.? But then the second thing, which I think is a little more sinister and really good to grab hold of, is that what he then said was, well, okay then, uh, different strategy. Um, well, you know what? The intention of God in saying that wasn't to do you good. It was actually so you couldn't be like him. You know, he wanted to make sure that he kept you down. You know, he wanted to make sure that you didn't become like him. And so that's why he said that. So what that is is a challenge of God's intention, isn't it? Is God's intention good for you or not for you? Do you get what I mean? It's a really important point to grasp because we can think, well, God is big. God is great. God can do anything. But we need to come to understand the person of God and know that his intention is always trustworthy. Again, probably a corny example, um, but I could, uh, I'll could i pick on Dom because I've known him for a long time and he's pretty hard to offend, all right? So I think I can pick on Dom pretty safely. But, you know, Dom and I have done a journey for a long time. We've known each other really well and, uh, you know, we've been good friends for, for many years. I can't remember how many, but it's a long time. So, you know, if someone came to me one day, said, you know, Dom's now over in Wagga or whatever, and, you know, I was with Dom the other day and he was saying some really bad stuff about you. You know, or whatever. Well, you know what? I probably, I might want to find out what they're talking about somewhere on the line. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't take much notice of it. Because what I know is, I don't know what you've heard. And I don't know what you've misunderstood. And I don't know what you've twisted. And I don't know what you've heard out of context. But I know this about Dom. Because I have known him for a long time and I've got to know him. I know that his intentions actually towards me uh, are proven over time. That it doesn't matter how it might have looked to you, I know that this is what the case is. I don't even probably really need to understand what they heard or how they misconstrued it. I mean, I might want to, I don't know. But, you know, really in reality I say, well, it just doesn't make any sense to me because I know the person of Dom. I know his intentions. Do you get what I mean? So I'm safe in that relationship because I not only know what he's able to do, but I also know what his intention is towards me, that he's actually for me, he's on my side. Um, there's some beautiful scriptures, you know, in the Psalms. One is, God is for me, who can be against me? Don't you love that one? I mean, it's such a beautiful short scripture. God is for me, who can be against me? I, I don't know how many times I've just quoted that into my situation or I've just brought it to mind because I wanted to reinforce and strengthen, um, you know, my own heart at that time. Because I know if God is for me, then it doesn't matter. Whatever else, uh, however else things look like, I know that God is for me. And so an important aspect of faith is understanding what God is able to do, but also understanding God's intention. Is that all right? Will you remember that? Not only what God is able to do, but also God's intention for me. Um, and so uh, here in, in Hebrews where it talks about you know, faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it, it's actually saying that when we get to know what God is like, we can actually get to trust him. We can get to trust his word. We can get to trust his promises. We can get to trust that we're safe in situations where we don't understand. We can't see a way through. We're not sure how this is going to end up. But what we know is we know the heart of the one who, who is dealing in my life. 
Now, for those of you who've got a bit sleepy this afternoon, let me give an example. Um, Jackie Chan. Has anyone heard of Jackie Chan? So, uh, Jackie Chan, well, you know, if, if you're watching a movie with Jackie Chan in it, and uh, for some of you that's not hard to do because, you know, you've seen plenty of movies of Jackie Chan. And I can remember one picture of a movie that he was in. He, he went down, he had all these guys chasing him. There'd have to be 30 blokes. Like, he's on his own, but there'd have to be 30 blokes chasing him. They've got sticks and chains and all sorts of stuff that's pretty dangerous looking. And I don't know whether he had anything. He may have had one shovel handle or something like that. I'm not sure. But anyway, he, was, he didn't have a lot, you know. Like, the odds really seemed clearly against him. And he goes down this alleyway and he's a pretty fast runner, so he's getting away on him. But then what happens is, I think you've already imagined what happens, he gets down this alleyway, right? There's 20-foot brick walls there. Is that right? On all sides. And he's there stuck in the corner. No windows, nothing to crawl under, nothing to crawl over. He's, abs- he's a goner. And so 30 blokes running towards him with sticks and chains. He's got his shovel handle, whatever it is, and he's just standing there in the corner. Now, we'll do a vote. Who, who thinks he's going to get killed? Put your hand up if you think he's going to get killed. 30 blokes coming at him. They hate him. They're after him. They've been threatening him. Is he going to get killed? No. Because even if you didn't know Jackie Chan, what you know is you know the script writer. Is that right? You know the script writer. And so you know. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to get out of this. But I know the script writer and I know that there is a way that he's going to make this work out. Now... Sometimes he'll do it a little bit realistically, but other times he'll just kick all the 30 people to death and then he'll run away, which doesn't seem realistic at all. But anyway, I thought, just three of them grab him quick, you know, or something like that. Just, just once I'd like Jackie Chan to get caught. Don't want him to get killed just to get caught. In that vein, um, for some of you, you may recall Roadrunner. You may not be Jackie Chan, Chan fans, but you're a Roadrunner fan. Anyone a Roadrunner fan here? You know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody's de- definitely a Roadrunner fan. The beep, beep was very realistic there. So, you know, it, look, I could say the similar thing, so I don't need to waste too much time on it. But, you know, the Roadrunner, he's, he's going to get caught by who? Coyote. Is that right? So they're chased. And I, you think he's gone this time. This cartoon's over. Like, it's history, this cartoon. Hey? Oh, I don't know whether that's true or not, but maybe we'll have a talk about it later. You can show me the video, okay? But, you know, there's always rumours about him getting caught. Is, 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 uh, he definitely got caught? Oh, dear. That's sad. Can you, can you just keep that quiet for the moment? Don't tell anybody, because otherwise my analogy's going to be up the creek, isn't it? So, all right? So we won't tell anybody till after, all righty? But anyway, the same idea. We know the script writer. We know that in absolutely, you know, incredible situations, he's going to get out. Now, I know they're both fictitious things, but I I hope it helps you understand that when we know the heart and the intent of God, when we know how big he is, but we also know his intention for us, it is possible to have faith, it is possible to trust his promise, even when in our rational mind, in our mathematical calculations, in our kind of scientific formulas, you know, it's just not going to work out. Now, we'll just add this in brackets that I actually believe that science and and the Bible really complement each other quite well. I reckon when people look at it honestly, they discover things in science that the Bible already knew. We just didn't see how it worked. Or, you know, if we really look honestly. But a lot of people are trying to, um, to, to establish their theories and discard the scripture no matter what. Is that right? But when people look at things honestly, I think more and more we, we see this um, congruence between you know, what the Bible says and who God is and what God is able to do and the amazing discoveries of science. So anyway, we're talking about 
faith. And faith is the ability to be able to see something that hasn't yet happened, to be able to trust even though we can't see how things are going to end and where the outcome is. So then just the last thing I want to do is just turn to Romans chapter 4 um, and I just want to have a quick look at the story of Abraham, or not the whole story, this is one aspect, just one little thing that's spoken about Abraham and spoken about his faith. We're going to read Romans four nineteen to 22. Because there's another thing that comes into play here, I think, in this little, little glimpse of Abraham's life and Abraham's faith. Romans 4, 19-22. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, woven through that couple of verses about Abraham are uh, his ability to trust God's word but then also trust God's character or person or intention to fulfil his word. Is that right? And so, um, but the other aspect here is uh, in, in this uh, older uh, translation, it, it looks a little bit unclear but it says, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Now, that can sound like he didn't think about his own body. It could think about how he didn't look at the reality, he just ignored that and just went on in faith. But actually, the, the, the more accurate interpretation of that passage is that what he did do is he considered it, but he didn't consider it a stumbling block to him. So he looked in reality at the situation. He looked at the age of his body. He looked at the deadness of Sarah's womb. And yet God had promised that he would be the father of many nations. God promised that his children would be like the sand of the sea. And so he knew that even though he was, he was coming, you know, he was beyond the age in the natural, there it says he did not consider. But what it means is he considered but didn't consider it relevant, didn't consider it a stumbling block, didn't consider it a limitation to what God was able to do because he had promised. And why I think this is important, very briefly, is just that sometimes we think faith is pretending things are not like they are. Sometimes we think, well, don't say that because, you know, we're looking at faith and we're saying this, we're confessing this. And there's an element where that's, that's right. But, you know, when you're facing challenges, facing financial challenges, facing health challenges facing relationship challenges, facing things in our world that are very difficult. You know, it's not burying our head in the sand and saying, well, I'm going the way of faith and I'm not going to say anything bad or I'm not going to say anything, you know, whatever that's opposite to what I'm believing for. But really, and there's an element again where that is true. We confess what we're believing for. But you know what, what I think this is saying about Abraham is that he could look at the reality of his situation he could be really honest about the situation. He said, this is, what's, this is what it's like. In the natural, this is what I'm facing. But he said, you know what? God's promises are bigger than the reality. The person of God and the promises of God and the word of God are bigger than, than the reality. Because sometimes faith almost becomes people's, sorry, sometimes people's definition of faith and understanding of faith is almost you know, becoming dishonest. It's saying, well, you know, Let's not look at that honestly. Let's not confess that honestly. 
But you know what I reckon we need to be able to do and that we are well able to do? Is we're able to stand up and look at our situation. We're able to say, you know what? This is what I'm facing. I just Let's be honest. This is what we're going through. Let's be honest. This is what I feel. Lord, this is what I feel. I really feel this. Oh, but that's not faith. You know, you've got to be positive. No, you know what? You can actually be honest about your situation. You can be honest about what you see. You can say, you know, when I add up this and this and this, it doesn't equal this. But you know what? God is bigger than that. God is greater than that. God has given me a promise and God's intention and God's limitation is beyond my limitation. And so even though I can't see it, even though I'm not sure how this is going to end, I know the scriptwriter and I know the intention and the capacity and the ability of the one who I'm trusting in. And so faith enables us not to ignore the reality, but to look at the reality and say, that is the situation, but I'm not stopping there. Because in spite of that situation, I have this promise. In spite of this situation, I have you know, a God who is bigger than, than my ability to understand how I'm going to get out of this problem. Does that make sense? And I just think it's a really important aspect of faith. Because so often we can, we can almost live a lie. We can almost, you know, um, sort of al- almost not be willing to face the truth and the reality because we think that to live a life of faith is to only say positive things, is to pretend things are not really like they are. Do you, do you get me? I'm very passionate about this because I see people struggle sometimes with situations in their life where they can't, can't cry out for help and receive help, where they can't get honest with God so that God can come and intervene in their situation, where they can't sort of press through and be transparent and bring out of the dark you know, the things that they're battling because they think that's not the way of faith. But I tell you, the way of faith is actually to be totally honest about what you're facing but not to finish in that place of hopelessness. In fact, that's the thing. Hope is the thing that we have, isn't it? Hope is an anchor for the soul, the Bible says. And I love that verse because our soul is our will and our mind and our thoughts and our emotions. That's our, that's our soul, sorry. And if hope is an anchor for our soul, then hope is the ability to be able to look past the present. Even though I don't know exactly how this is going to end, I have hope because I see beyond this predicament. I can see that there is a future in my life and in my journey. And so... What you have is hope. And what hope does then is hope steadies the emotions, doesn't it? Hope steadies the feelings. Hope steadies the, the, the scrambling and the confusion that goes on in our mind sometimes when we are facing difficult situations. And so I guess I want to leave you with that today. Um, one thing I want to do as I finish, and I suppose it's a little bit relevant, although this is not deliberate, I didn't mean to sort of finish with the point, well, you know, when you're facing challenges and then to talk about Sri Lanka. But I will just share a little bit about what's happening in Sri Lanka because um, I go to Sri Lanka every year. We have a couple of children's homes that we support. Many of you would know that. And so one of the churches that was, um, that was subject to the bombing last Sunday morning was a church that I've preached in a number of times and have fairly close association with, the Zion Church at Bataclough. And Pastor Roshan, the senior pastor of that church, was over in the UK at the time and, uh, and a guy uh, turned up, a terrorist guy turned up at the church and he spoke to Roshan's wife, Michelle, and asked for the pastor and he wasn't there. So um, I'm not sure exactly what happened after that, except that he was mingling in the church, waiting for the service to start. One of the assistant pastors got suspicious and, um, and came alongside him to talk to him and, uh, and realised that there was something funny going on. And so he actually walked into the gate of the, of the compound of the church where, where it was. And the guy ran back in and, and threw the bomb into the middle of the church or sort of at the edge of the church. And there was a number of children there. So 
There's about 30 people that, from the church that were killed, including about 14 children who were just sitting there in a group and uh, finished their Sunday school and some were waiting to be picked up and some were waiting to go back in. And there's a whole number of uh, people from that church who are uh, in hospital and fighting for their life still um, you know, with very serious injuries. And so um, appreciate you continuing to pray you know, for the work there and for Pastor Roshan and Michelle, who is the pastor of that church, and also our own CRC leader there, um, Pastor Soman Arthan. Um, this church is not a CRC church, but it's very closely connected. We've run a lot of leadership training and things through this church and have close relationship with Roshan and the church there. And so uh, Pastor Soman Arthan, who is our CRC leader, he's been up in Batacolo. Uh, our children's home is nearby there, so he's just been there um, visiting a lot of the families and the people that some of them he's related to who've lost, uh, lost children or lost part of their family. And so he's just been there connecting with those people. Um, I, um, I contacted him and I felt that I wouldn't mind going over there. Uh, so I said, can I come over and just be, um, be a support, be a friend you know, to you? But he uh, wouldn't allow me to do that. So I wasn't able to, to do that at this stage. But anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you because it is someone who is close to us. And I mean, I guess that's no less important or moving than all the churches that we don't know and all the people that were affected in, and it happens obviously in many countries as well. But I just thought I'd share that with you because we do have that close relationship with the church um, at Batacolo. Um, we, uh, our CRC churches, um, I mentioned to Annette that I just, just mentioned this, our CRC churches are um, having an appeal that, um, uh, that, that will be presented to you sometime uh, probably by next week or whatever, if anyone wants to contribute, it will be to help um, to rebuild Roshan's home and the church there and just to help support them. The government have actually covered funerals. I said, do we need, do you need help to pay for funerals? And they said the government is helping with the cost of funerals for those families. Uh, but um, uh, I'm sending a little bit of money to Somanath and himself so that the families that he visits, he can help. And if anyone felt moved to... Um, uh, to, to contribute something, then if you let me know afterwards, then you know we can we can just allow for that, and in the next few days we'll send some money off to Somanathan so that he can, you know, it's not the big appeal or whatever, but it's just so he can have some funds to help out with families that he's interacting with um, there at the time. Alrighty, so um, uh, if you want to, you can you can let me know. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. Hey, probably a little bit in light of what I'm talking about today, uh, Pastor Roshan. Uh, took him a couple of days to get back home from being in the UK, but what he did was um, he did a, a video uh, broadcast just for people to be able to to hear a bit of the story. And and basically in that broadcast he said, um, uh, you know, I just want the perpetrators to know that we love them, uh, that we've forgiven them. Now some people would say that's foolish, some people would say all sorts of things, but you know that's scriptural, isn't it? That's a scriptural response. He says, you know, at first, you know, we feel anger, we feel you know, grief, we feel terrible pain, but we're not feeling retaliation, we're not feeling, you know, uh, an unrighteous response. And, and so he just shared a very moving message about how uh, we already love you, we already forgive you, don't approve or condone. You know, he didn't say this, but, you know, we know this. He's not approving or condoning of the, of the behaviour. He wants justice because justice is a godly thing. But, um, but he was just saying we're not uh, being affected in the sense of becoming... Um, agitated and wanting to retaliate. So I think uh, that also is a is a good thing to just know and be aware of. Alrighty. So um, yeah. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for um, that. You are Lord. You're trustworthy. 
It's kind of like a basic thing that we know. But I pray, Lord, that even as we've shared today about faith, that you just bring revelation to our hearts of you, who you are. We, we love your promises. We love your word. We know your word is sure. We know your word is yes and amen. We know your word is a strong foundation upon which we can plant our feet and put our trust. But Lord, also, um, you, who you are, who you are and what you do flowing out of who you are, um, who you are as a person, your intentions toward us, your desire for us, your plans for us, your heart when before we were born you saw us being formed and in your mind was, was something that you saw um, with good intention. When you say your thoughts towards us, you mean your plans towards us, your intentions towards us are only good. And Lord, I pray that you give us revelation of that because then our faith will go strong and it will be strong to withstand the storms of life. It will be strong to withstand the things that we don't understand. It will be strong to withstand the questions that come into our mind sometimes when, when things that are unjust, are unjust or things that we can't see our way through happen in our life. I pray that there would be a, a, an incredible strength that would come into the lives of every person represented here. And, and even in the life of this church within this community uh, and the communities that are represented, I pray that it will be evident that people will say, um, will want to know a reason for the hope that lies in us because they see this strength in the midst of good times, but they see the strength that endures in the midst of challenging times. Because Lord, no matter what, whether we understand or not, whether we can see our way through or not, Lord, your promises are sure and your intentions are good. So I thank you today. Pray that your word would just, um, would just settle or would not even settle, but just um, be active in our hearts, that it would bring us into that place of strength and faith, a new dimension in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're going through a difficult time, hey, take a hold of that word today and just say, Lord, I can't see my way through, but I trust you. I'm choosing to trust you. If you've you know, been going through things for a while, which can happen, can't it? And then you've given up and thought, you know what? It's just nothing's worked. My prayers haven't worked. I, I know, we can feel that way. Well, just be honest with God, you know, and say to him, hey, you know what? I'm feeling a bit like my prayers haven't worked. But I know. I know your word is sure. I know your intentions have not changed. I know that your blueprint for my life is never torn up. It's never thrown away. No matter what happens, no matter what happens that other people bring into my life, no matter what happens through my choices and my decisions when I've made mistakes, you know, it doesn't matter. Lord, you've not torn up the blueprint and I can't see my way through, but I know this. Lord, I trust you. And I tell you, when you do that, you give him room to work. You give him room to do a miracle. One of my friends once said, I still remember, he shared this in one of his messages. I don't remember the whole message on that occasion. I remember other messages he shared, but I remember this one line. He said, if you... If you, um, if you want to see a miracle, you've got to allow yourself, not put yourself in, but allow yourself to be in a place where you need one occasionally. You know what I mean? We can live safely, can't we? We can live in a controlled manner, in a safe manner. But I'm not saying we go and you know, do something silly, but you know, when we live uh, in obedience to God, sometimes it puts us in a place where we need a miracle. And if we're willing to step into the place where we need a miracle, then that allows God to show you that he's a miracle-working God. Is that right? 